speaking of storm, may I just blurt this out? We are living in a crazy and convoluted time. Have you noticed? I mean, people don't know what to think. People don't know whom to believe. I mean, we can't trust our politicians. We can't trust the news. It may be fake news. We can't trust each other for some crazy reason. Convoluted confusion. In fact, of late, I've been saying, you know, it, it, it feels like, it feels like controlled chaos, that somebody's actually running this thing. And just kind of all these bloopers are actually designed to keep us off sync, to throw us off of our game. Confusion. Moral confusion, let alone emotional and psychological confusion, or all of the above. My friend Gordon Beats, in his last editorial before he retired as president of Southern Adventist University, in the Southern Columns, which is a little magazine sent to us Southern grads and alum, in the Southern Columns, he quotes James Hunter. This is so dynamite, I have got to share it with you. James Hunter, who wrote the book, The Death of Character, Moral Education in an Age Without Good or Evil. He provocatively identifies this age in which you and I are living. Put the words on the screen. There's a study guide in your, in, uh, not for fill-in, but you just get to keep it, and it'll have all these quotes on it. Didn't get one. Here come our friendly ushers your way. But I'm, I'm going now. So let's put uh, Hunter's words on the screen. We say we want renewal of character in our day, but we don't really know what we ask for. To have a renewal of character is to have the renewal of a creedal order that constrains, limits, binds, obligates, and compels. This price is too high for us to pay. Now hit the pause button right there. Here's what he's saying. I know it's a lot of big words right there, but, but hold on. In order to find strength of character, here's what he's saying. In order for us to find strength of character, by the way, the very opposite of the food fight we're experiencing right now with the news media and uh, presidential politics, all right? The very opposite of that. We're talking about uh, news. We're talking about social media. We're talking about politicians. We're talking about entertainers. This business, this business of trash mouth, trash talk, everybody's gone crazy. You want moral, you want moral sanity and moral order. This is what Hunter is saying. If you want moral character, to, we're going to need moral creed. We're going to need moral codes to, how did he put it here, to constrain us, bind us, obligate us, compel us. But we're deciding, apparently as a society, we're deciding that the price is too high to pay. No, no, I'm not going to pay that high a price. Now he goes on. Back on the screen. Here, here is us, 2017. We want character, but without unyielding conviction. We want strong morality, but without the emotional burden of guilt or shame. We want virtue, but without the particular moral justifications that invariably offend. We want good without having to name evil. We want decency without the authority to insist upon it. Well, this is good. We want moral community without any limitations to personal freedom. Don't you tell me what I can't do. I can do anything I want, but I also want moral community. You can't have it. In short, Hunter concludes, we want what we cannot possibly have on the terms we want it. Hmm. For such a time as this, how then shall we live? I want you to open your Bible right now. 
I want, I want you to see this for yourself. One of the most tantalizing lines in all of Holy Scripture. I'm telling you the truth. Open your Bible. It's not going to be hard to find this verse because it's in the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Go back to Genesis chapter 5, please. Didn't bring a Bible? Grab the pew Bible in front of you. Easy page to find. Beginning of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. Take a look at this. Let's pick, let, 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 let's pick it up in verse 21. And when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 23. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Verse 24. And Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. There it is. What a line. Enoch walked with God. So tantalizingly simple. So matter of fact, Enoch walked with God. I love going on long walks with people I like. Right? Why? Because we have time together. I just love it. We have time together. What do we do? You just walk and talk together. You just walk and talk. Walk and talk. Doesn't matter how long you're together. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. Sometimes, sometimes you walk in silence. You don't say a word because it's just being in each other's presence. That's all that matters. Walk and talk. <laughs> Enoch walked with God. And you know what? I know your heart. So there's something deep inside all of us that when we read or hear those words, something just kind of leaps and we wonder, man, could I do that? Could that happen to me? Could I walk and talk with the eternal, with the almighty God of the universe? Why not? Yeah, but Dwight, I'm just not, yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah, how would you do it? You're not going to believe this. It is, it is exceedingly simple. The only other major passage on Enoch in the Bible is at the end of the Bible, Hebrews. So go to the book of Hebrews now. We were in Genesis. Now we go to Hebrews. Hebrews. Let's go to the Bible Hall of Faith, Hall of Fame chapter. These are the, this is the Hall of Fame. These are the, the people exactly like you and me, but became known because of how they lived. This is Hebrews 11. Okay, so you found uh, Hebrews 11. Drop down to verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Enoch walked with God. How? By faith. Not by sight. Nope. Not by sound. Not by touch. He walked only by faith. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Plain and simple. By faith. And what makes this all so tantalizing? I mean, come on, let's be honest. What makes this so tantalizing? I mean, you think of the life of this, of, of this man walking with God from the age of 65 to 365 years. That's 300 years of walking day after day after day after year after year after year after year. Those of us who despair of walking with God even for one day, 300 years until one day... Enoch and God are walking and talking together. And this is the way I kind of imagine it. God must have said to him, Yo, Enoch, <laughs> looks like you're closer to my house than your house. You want to come home with me? And with a smile, God throws wide a door. And Enoch steps into heaven without dying. 
without dying. Wow. By faith, Enoch walked with God. And what, what, what make, what's making this so tantalizing is a single line written a century ago. I've got to share this with you. Unbelievable. This is from the classic Christ Object Lessons. Put the words on the screen. In every phase of your character building, I like that because character building is, is in phases. It's like growing flowers. Mr. Roy knew the trick. You got to just stay through the phases. You'll eventually get this beautiful blossom, but stay through the phases. In every phase, how's it go here? In every phase of your character building, obviously growth is taking place, you are to please God, just like Enoch. This you may do, for Enoch pleased him, though living in a degenerate age. Yo, Enoch, welcome to 2017. Degenerate age, come on. But here comes the line, and the, the italics are mine. And there are Enoch's in this our day. Did you catch that? There are Enoch's in this our day. Right now. Maybe right here. Don't look around, don't look around. I've known some Enoch's in my lifetime. I've known some men. I've known some women. I've known some young adults on this campus. I've known some teens. I have known human beings in my lifetime who were Enoch in our midst. You know why? Because they have such a, they have such a, a, a walk with God. It's written all over their faces. I came to the early morning prayer meeting this last week. 7 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock at night. Wednesday, I went to both. And there was this cause, this co-ed. She's praying. I can hardly hear the circle. I'm on the opposite end. But she's praying, and I open my eyes to look at her. And her face is just like she's talking to God right now. And I'm thinking, whoa. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Question, can we have that same faith? Answer, I do believe we can. I do believe we can. You want to be one of them? In this morally corrupt and confused and chaotic age, would you like to be one of God's Enoch's in this our day? I know you would. So I want to share with you the secret to Enoch's life. He didn't know it, but it's John 15, 5. That's the secret. Take a look at this. We've been, this has been our theme text for this entire storm series. We've just kept, we kept touching base with it, touch base with it. Go back to John 15, 5. We're doing the same. I want you to see it in your own Bible, bright le red letters. Jesus has left the upper room. At, you see at the end of verse chapter 14, it says, let's get out of here. So that's Jesus telling his 11 now that are left. He says, let's go. And they go, and he stops in the silver light of the Passover full moon, always full on Passover. He stops by a, 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 a trellis, a vineyard vine trellis, and he speaks these words. While he's holding the fruit, he speaks these words. Verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me or abide in me, and I remain in you or abide in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Zero, nada, nothing. You can't. And what's very interesting to me is that this is precisely how Jesus himself lived. No kidding. Let me just run these. Don't even look them up. They're in John, but just flip them on the screen, please, for us. 
El presto. John 5, 19, Jesus speaking, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. There's this little incident, and he makes this statement. I can do nothing by myself. Yo, time out, Jesus. Are you saying you could not do any healing by yourself? That's what I'm saying, boy. Are you saying you, the teachings that you came up with, you could not do by I'm just telling you. The people's lives that you cha- radically transformed, you didn't do that by... No. I could do nothing by myself. And by the way, I could do nothing, and neither can you. You can do nothing by yourself. As I needed the Father, you need me. Wow. In fact, that point is so important that before the incident is over, in John 5, verse 30, put it on the screen, he repeats it just to make sure we got it. By myself, I can do nothing, for I seek not to please. Ooh, isn't that something? I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Looks like Jesus was just like Enoch. He walked with God by faith, just like Enoch. He pleased God by faith, just like Enoch. Apparently, Jesus did not have some sort of inside track to the omnipotence of heaven. Nope. I couldn't do a thing. I could not do a thing. (laughs) Wow. In fact, he really nails it here in the upper room. So they've left the upper room. They're down by the vines now. But look at at John 14, verse 10. Put it on the screen for you. Don't you believe, Jesus speaking to his disciples, that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me? Look, I'm asking you to be in me. I want to be in you. But I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. Don't you believe? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. No. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Lo and behold, what Jesus asks us to be with him, the gospel truth is, he was that with the Father. Abide in me and I in you. Abide in me and I in you. It's the same. That's how Jesus walked with God. That's how Enoch walked with God. That's how you and I will walk with God. Same way. Because the great credo of Jesus' life was the great credo of Enoch's life. And it must become the great credo of your life and my life. It's only seven words long. Here's the other verse that we've been going back to every part of this series. I'll put it on the screen for you, and let's read it out loud together. Hebrews 2.13, Jesus said, now let's just read the words he said, I will put my trust in him. Seven words. I will live by this. I will put my trust in him. You know what? It was during this series that God came to me and said, Dwight, guess what? This one was for you. I'm asking you, Dwight, now for the rest of your life till I come to live by those seven words. It was my credo when I was here. I give it to you. I had read these words throughout my life, my ministry, but never as as they have sunk into this tiny little brain in this seven-part series. I will put my trust in Him. Which means, by the way, that when you walk by faith, you will be like Jesus. Because He walked by faith, so you'll be like Him when you walk by faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. In fact, let me show you this. Show you this. Put it on the screen. This is amazing. By faith, Enoch walked with God. We just read that in Genesis 5. What do we read in Hebrews 2? By faith, Jesus walked with God. Here's another one. By faith, Enoch pleased God, Hebrews 11. What did we just read? John 5.30. By faith, Jesus pleased God. Enoch was like Jesus. Jesus was like Enoch. And we've been called to be like them. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Not going to put it on the screen for you. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. We make it our aim, Paul writes, to please him. 
That's what we live for. We live to please Him. When you walk by faith, you will be like Jesus. And guess what? The longer you walk with Him, the more you will be like Him. I love elderly people. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you ought to love them. You're getting close. That was really mean of you to say, by the way. I knew you were thinking that. I could see that. Just erase that from your mind. I love elderly people, truly, truly. I just love them. So when we came as this kid pastor and beautiful wife to this parish, when I wanted to start getting acquainted with the, with the congregation, in the afternoons if I was going to meet anybody, I would have to meet people who were already retired. They're living at home. They're of age now, and they're living at home. So one afternoon, oh, this is incredible. One afternoon, I'm, I, I'm out here on Campus Drive, which is the circle. It's the drive that goes around the campus, okay? There's a little house there. I knock at the door. They come to the door. I'm talking about the residents of this house. Who are they? They are Alma and Victor Campbell. Now, Victor Campbell, for years, was the, was the head of the farm, the agriculture department at Andrews University. We, by the way, do you know this? We are one of the rare universities in the United States that still has a farm and dairy program, okay? So he was the head of the dairy for years. Put, put that picture on the screen. He was, he was the head of the dairy for years. And that's his wife, Alma. She taught at Emmanuel Missionary College Academy. It used to be called you know, it's Andrews Academy now. And then she graduated from Academy, and she taught English at Emmanuel Missionary College. A lovely couple. So we sat down together, as pastors do when they make calls. We sat down together, and of course, I started asking questions like, who are the, who are the children in those pictures? And, oh my, did, did you embroider this yourself? Wow, that's beautiful. That's what pastors do. They just ask questions. And so then I say, yeah, listen, I need to find out about uh, you too. Tell me, tell me your story. How long have you been here at Andrews University? I mean, yeah, it was Andrews University th- at that time. And something began to happen. I'm noticing an intriguing pattern, and I could not help but smiling inside of me. I would not smile out loud. I smiled inside. And that was, every time I asked her a question, she would start the answer, and he'd butt in and finish it. So I said, you're not getting this. I'll ask her another one. Same thing. I said, I'll reverse it. I'll ask him. So I asked him a question. He'd start it. She'd slip in. She'd slip in and, and answer it. I suddenly realized what was going on. Here are these dear saints. Here are these dear lovers who have lived so long together that they practically know each other's mind before the words are even spoken. And when the words are spoken, they can finish them. That's what we're talking about here. Walk and talk and walk and talk. After the, the, the time will come when the more you share life together, the more you will share lightness together. That's not. Which is why when you walk by faith, you'll be like Jesus. Because that's how it works. In fact, let me tell you really technically how it works. Great music, Matt, on a lot of this on the Trinity. And I'm sure, so glad you did, you did that. Uh, I want you to see this. In, in John 14, we won't go back there. We'll put it on the screen. Jesus makes a very interesting statement. Watch this. He's talking to the 11 who are left. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate or comforter or counselor, depending on your translation, to help you and, look at this, be with you forever. Keep reading. Who is this? Who is this, Lord? Ah, he's the Spirit of truth. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he's going to be in you. One more line. So, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
He will be me. We're different. You understand? But I got five fingers on each hand now, and I can be in only one place at one time. But I'm not going to leave you orphans. I will come to you. The Holy Spirit will be the one who is with you. The Holy Spirit will be the one you will walk with. The Holy Spirit will be the one you talk with. And the Holy Spirit will only talk about me because he says at the end of chapter 15, he, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit never comes into your life and says, yo-ho, woo-hoo, I'm here. Never says it at all. When he comes in, you know what he says? Jesus is here. You called. You called. I'm here. And it's always the sense of Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, oh boy, when the Holy Spirit speaks the omnipotent word of the word made flesh in half a nanosecond, you remember how this goes? In half a nanosecond, the God who says, let there be light, in half a nanosecond, when you read the Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, and there's something inside of you that says, amen, God, I want to be the pure in heart. Make me like Jesus. Let me be pure in heart. When you say amen in in a half a nanosecond, God says, let the purity of Christ be in her. Boom, and you got it. Let the purity of Christ be in him. Boom, you got it. Almighty, omnipotent word. And when he he hears you speak his word back to him and you say amen, boom, you got it. Man, blessed are the meek. Oh, God, I want to be meek. I want to be humble like Jesus, please. In less than half a nanosecond, if you say amen when you read the word, amen, boom, you've got it. If any woman is in Christ, if any man is in Christ, she, he is a new creation, just like that. Remember, the Spirit hovers over the waters at the beginning of creation. Don't kid yourself. All three were there for that creation. The Spirit was there. Boom. Wow. By faith, Enoch walked with God. Ellen White, back in 1891, described Enoch this way. This this is just beautiful. You'll, You'll take this home in the study guide. Put his words on, put, the, put her words on the screen, please. Enoch kept the Lord ever before him. And the inspired word says that he walked with God. Yeah, we just read that. He made Christ. Now, here you go. He made Christ his constant what? What? Companion. Hit the pause button right there. Walk and talk. That's what he's doing. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. By faith. He didn't see a face. He didn't hear a voice. He didn't feel a touch. It was all by faith, exactly as you and me, exactly as our Lord. By faith, Enoch walked with God. And this is what gets me. And there are Enochs in this, our day. Let's put put the quotation back up. Let's keep going. He, Enoch, was in the world and performed his duties to the world. So he has a job. Look at it. He's got to earn a living. He's got a job. He's in the world. It's okay. You still walk with God. But he was ever under the influence, talking about driving under the influence. There it is. He was ever under the influence of Jesus. He reflected Christ's character, like Mr. Roy. He exhibited the same qualities in goodness, mercy, tender, compassion, sympathy, forbearance, meekness, humility, and love. His association with Christ day by day, ah, here it goes, day by day transformed him into the image of him with whom he was so intimately connected. Abide in me and I in you. By faith. You don't feel a thing. By faith. I'm there. You're here. Abide in me. Walk with me. Girl, boy. Talk back to me. Talk to me. I want to hear from you. Are you listening to me? I'm talking to you. Just like Enoch. 
Wow. Because when you walk by faith, you'll be like Jesus. People start seeing it. Well, well, what's up with that? I couldn't tell you what these plants looked like, these flowers looked like yesterday, but I can tell you what they look like today. I don't know how much growth took place between yesterday and today, but they sure are beautiful, and it looks like these petals have just continued to open. You can't see it. Only the people that see you and then come back and see you later say, whoa, something happened here. And there are Enoch's in this our day. One more line from this quotation. Day by day, Enoch was growing away from his own way into Christ's way, the heavenly, the divine, in his thoughts and feelings. He was constantly inquiring, is this the way of the Lord? Do you remember when we used to wear these little bands that had WWJD on it? Remember that? WWJD. What did it stand for? What would Jesus do? Remember that? It was a big craze. That's how, that's how Enoch lived. He would keep asking this question. Circle it in your study guide. Keep it, keep it in your mind. Is this the way of the Lord? God, 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 God. This is, I'm, I'm getting ready to walk into that boardroom. Is this your mind on this? Am I okay with this? I'm getting ready to ring a doorbell. I'm getting ready to, to make a call. God, do I have your mind on this? Is this the way of the Lord? And then the last line, oh, this is beautiful. His was a constant growth, and he had fellowship with the Father... He had fellowship with the Father and the Son. He walked with God. He walked with the Father, and he walked with the Son, and he had the Holy Spirit in him. The whole Trinity was engaged in Enoch's life. And by the way, the whole Trinity is engaged in your life. You may be thinking that you're walking all alone. You may be thinking that nobody's caring about me in heaven right now. You got, you got one-third of the Trinity in your heart. You have the other two who are connected with you as if there were no other living human being on this planet. God is so able to focus his mind that he is only with you, exclusively yours. Talk to me. Come on, talk to me. What do you want? What can I do for you? I'm not a genie in a bottle. I'm your friend. Abide in me, and I in you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that simple. God is raising up a generation of Enoch's who will keep the faith of Jesus. I will put my trust in Him. The storm generation. And I do believe, I can say this with all the integrity of my soul, I do believe He's calling you. No kidding. I do believe He's calling you. The big question is, come on, come on. The big question is, do you hear Him calling you? I know He's calling you. Do you hear Him calling you? I want to end with a story. It talks about how you can hear Him. The story is preceded by a quotation. It's from Mark Laberton, who is the president of Fuller Theological Seminary. He wrote a piece in the latest Christianity Today magazine in which he describes how when he believed in no God at all, he picked up the Bible one day and said, I'm going to read this just like a plain old book. So what you're going to hear now is a first-person testimony, okay? Put his words on the screen. I started to read the New Testament just as I was about to enter college, like some of you. With very few assumptions and with no theological or spiritual commitments, I simply picked up the Bible and began to read. I read and reread the Gospels and then the whole New Testament. I was by no means sure there was a God, nor was I sure that this text and its apparent claims were true or relevant to some possible divine being. It simply seemed to me that a literate person should be acquainted with the Bible, and so it all began. 
There's some of you who've walked into church today. You weren't, you weren't here for parts one, two, three, four, five, and six. You're not even sure why you're here today, but you're here, and there's something happening inside of you right now that's saying, man, this is more than just a cutesy little picture. There's something going on with those words, and he walked with God by faith. There's some of you who are channel surfing, and you just happen to land on this moment. Some of you are are at our website. You're looking for some archived video, and you happen to pick this one, and boom, suddenly the eternal is speaking to you. What would happen if you picked up this book and just started reading it like a book? You can start with the Gospels if you want. You start with Genesis. Be my guest. (laughs) But what would happen if you just picked this up and started reading? Could it be that the eternal of the universe would start whispering to you? Mark Laberton did that. He describes how his reading expanded, put his words back up on the screen. I came to discover that what Jesus offered was, in fact, the antidote to smallness. The kingdom of God is the antidote. It's huge. The smallness that pervades much of our natural human enterprise, whether it's business, education, politics, or religion was the problem of a shrunken heart and mind. By contrast, the kingdom of God, life under the reign of God's grace and truth in Jesus Christ, expands and unleashes our heart, mind, and soul, and strength for the profound purposes for which we were made. Could it be that God is... Hit the pause button there. Could, could it be that God is calling you out of your smallness right now? Your life feels small. It just doesn't feel like it has any, any nobility and destiny and purpose to it. Could it be God is calling you out of your smallness right now? Come talk to me. Come on. Let me talk to you. And then talk back to me. Mind with capital M, mind. Intellect with capital I, intellect. Connect. Lamberton, to my utter surprise, the Bible proved itself to be clear to me, even though I knew almost nothing about it. What the Bible made plain was that I was loved, sought, convicted, called, and redeemed by the true and living God who came to save the world, including me, in Jesus Christ. The clarity of Scripture was not an abstract principle. It was an apt description. Over time, it has formed my spiritual genealogy and biography. By faith, Enoch walked with God. And by the way, he, had, he didn't have this. All he had was what was passed from father to child, father to child. The maker of all things loves and wants you. That's what I want you to remember. The father would tell his children, the maker of all things loves and wants you. And one day he reached out to this maker and connected. However, his words to end here, however urbane and cosmopolitan, skeptical and doubting, or poor and broken people may be, God's Word speaks with authority and power. Just as water will always find its own way, so the Bible stream of water does the same finding their way into the parched and thirsty lives to bring new life. It's not simply the clarity of comprehension for which Jesus calls us to be perfect, but a life that looks increasingly like the life of the Word made flesh. That's what we've been talking about, a life that begins to look like the Word made flesh. This is the final test of the Bible's clarity. I like this. Can people read our lives and see the life of God in us? This is the perspicuity 
Yeah, I'd never seen that word either. I had to look it up. It means transparency. This is the transparency that God has given us in the Bible, a clarity that is meant to be readable in part through the unfinished lives of those who read and trust it. In other words, hey, 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 something begins to happen to you when you pick up this book and daily you read the narratives, you read the poetry, you read the prose. Every day we walk and talk, we walk and talk. That's it. We walk and talk, we walk and talk. Something is happening. There's a conversation that's developing. There's a connection that is deepening. Lamberton's, Lamberton's point, can people read our lives and see the life of God in us? And then he ends with this sentence. The clarity of our faithful Bible reading is meant to show up in the clarity of our faithful lives. And as soon as he writes that sentence, he tells a story. And I end with a story right here from Christianity Today. I was converted again to this conviction that we just read one night in northern Uganda. Okay? So he's in Africa. At that time, the Lord's resistance army, that's some kind of terrorist army, was, at its, was still at its evil games, and children slept in night commuter camps to stay alive and to avoid being captured and tortured into becoming child soldiers. This particular night, as every night, hundreds of children came to sleep together in the roof of an empty school. Only one adult was present, a middle-aged woman, available to help and comfort any who might have need. Her husband and children were at their home just a few blocks away. She explained that she came each night as a volunteer to be of help. <laughs> I asked her why she was doing this. She talked about the children's need and her desire to do what she could under such difficult circumstances in the face of such fears. Still wanting to know more, I pressed, yeah, but, but, but what motivates you to care? Why do you do it? She looked me up and down and finally said, well, I am what you call a Christian. I read my Bible every day, and every week I go to a church where we eat something called the Lord's Supper. I can't imagine doing those things all, all my life and not coming here. Where else would it lead? The lady got it. She got it. Abide in me, and I in you, and you'll bear much fruit, and the world will be a different place because of you. When you walk by faith, in the Word. You will live by faith in the world. And they will take note that these men, that these women, that these children had been with Jesus. What do you say? Yeah, no, what do you say? Yeah. You know what I wish? If I could just, just one prayer for you, one prayer, one gift from God to you. Here's what I wish. I pray that whoever you are and whatever you do and however old you are or aren't, I pray that this gift of a walk with God will be yours. It's yours for the asking. You don't have to get a letter. It's not airmailed to you. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. You'll bear much fruit. There will be a generation of Enoch's at the end, and the world will say, whoa, who are these people? Walk and talk. That's what I wish more than anything else for you.
Take out your Connect card, please. Pull it out. What do you think? Uh, I, hope, I hope you resonate with this. And we got guests here today. Always glad to have you on the front of the card. Just fill out uh, what you're comfortable with. We do this every Sabbath. Go to the back of the card. My next step today is box number one. I want to be like Enoch, and I want to walk with God by faith. Check. I want that. Box number two. I want to walk and talk with God by faith through the pages of the Bible. Check. Box number three. I want to be like Jesus. Check. Box number four. I would like to join in collective prayer at House of Prayer Wednesday, 7 in the morning, 7 in the evening. Check. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. Walk and talk. That's my prayer for you. In fact, let me pray with you right now. Oh, God, please, for these dear sons and daughters of yours, you've loved them from the first day they breathed. You've never given up on them. You have always been tugging at their hearts, their minds. And there's somebody here, Father, who's saying, I'm not sure. I never thought about this before. But, Father, for that heart, the Holy Spirit who's speaking, assure him, assure her, it's for real. Mr. Roy reflected somebody special. It works. So call us and empower us, encourage us, take us by the hand. And walk and talk, and walk and talk, and walk and talk until that day when you look down with a smile and say, hey, you know what, guys? <laughs> You're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you come home with me? And that door flings open, and we walk in. Till then, walk and talk, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.